Anderson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donnie Wurzlaw. Got it out to a oh. kick, kicks Lovett, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. The premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West uh, coming up on the show, we're also going to talk plenty of coaching news. The coaching carousel starting to turn in the AFL. It is going to affect the Eagles this year, so we'll keep you up to date with that one. And, of course, the big news from the night, Nick Matanui, three-time All-Australian. He's made the team. He's in the 22. He's had a fantastic year. Nice to see him get the reward as well. So, guys, we will throw praise on him there. I'm joined tonight, Honey Badger 35 here, joined by Keys. Keys, we can see you there in the top right corner. How's things going? Yeah, yeah, all right. You know, footy season's over. Yep. In any meaningful sense, um, really don't care from here on in. Um, we'll uh, look forward to next year. Well, yeah, that's all we've got to look forward to at the moment. Uh, now, speaking of not being able to look at things, I look forward to things. Migs, the camera's off tonight, mate. We've had some sort of tech error. So, indeed, we're looking at uh, Miguel Sanchez slash a little photo of Connor West there. How's things, mate? Yeah, not too bad. I uh, had some criticism of my physique during the week, so I've, um, I've managed to sabotage my own camera. I don't actually know what's going on with it, but, um, yeah, it wasn't deliberate, but it's worked out quite nicely. There you go. There you go. Well, you only let them win by doing that, Miguel, so come on, none of that. No, no, look, we'll, we'll play our head. We've got the audio only for Miguel tonight, but you get to look at my face, you get to look at Key's face, half your luck. Thank you very much for joining us, as always, guys. Jump in the comments. It's going to be a bit fast and loose tonight because there's no game to preview, so... If you've got any questions, if you've got any, you know, coaching suggestions, player suggestions, trade this bloke, sack that bloke, let's go for it. You know, jump in the comments and uh, and we'll have our say. Gents, let's charge ahead with the show and we're going to do the quickest of quick recaps against Brisbane because you've uh, you've heard this one before. Right, West Coast Eagles, 13 goals, 9-87, were defeated by the Brisbane Lions, 19-11-125. Final margin, I don't think, does the game justice. But as usual, worst football for the Eagles kills the game. Big run of seven or eight goals in a row for Brisbane. Competitive start, very competitive after that run. Got the game within a goal, Migs, and then uh, they kind of lost their heads, a few little issues here and there. Migs is back. Look at this. I'm back. Bad news. Nicely done. Oh, well, there you go. You can lead us off there, Mig. So it was a very familiar tale for the game. Not even worth going into too much detail on because, you know, as I said, we've seen this one before. So what would you make of the Brisbane game? Nice way to finish the season up, I suppose. Yeah, I think it was pretty much what we expected. And um, I think I actually predicted six goals um, when we did our tips last week. And so I got within a couple of points. Um, they're all humble brag there. May not be much good with tech, but yeah, I can predict the margin. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Reasonably impressed with how we hung with Brisbane, who you know had a lot more to play for than us, and they had a, a, a top four spot on the line. Um, hung with them, had sort of the, the couple of stretches of multiple unanswered goals that we've always had throughout the year. Yep. Um, and it was yeah, I mean Nick Nat pretty much made his All Australian selection um, a certainty. Uh, uh, Yo and Shuey had great games. There wasn't a lot else that stood out to me um we really leaned on those sort of three senior blokes a lot um darling played reasonably um three goals pinched the leading goal scorer off kennedy who wasn't playing but yeah apart from that not a lot else to take out but um yeah at least we we showed a bit of a fight um for brisbane for probably about three of the four quarters in bits and bobs Keys in another world, in a different version of the season, going to the Gabba, presumably, you know, last round of the season, there might have been more stakes on the line. But going to the Gabba, you'll go down by you know a couple of goals, but the fight was all right. The effort was there. As always, that one burst of really bad footy is what killed us. In isolation, it doesn't look like the worst result of all time, but really just the culmination of a, of a shocking season, and, and it's well and truly done now, of course. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, we needed the win. Well, you know, even if we had a one, well, it wouldn't have made any difference anyway. The, mm. the problems for our season was sort of, you know, earlier on, you know, that, you know we're always going to have it up against it, having to win in Brisbane to keep our season alive. You know, there was games, multiple games during the course of the year that um, we fucked our chances, you know, north at home, the Derby, leading five goals, leading St Kilda by five goals, um, losing games by 15 goals that completely fucked their percentage. Um, yeah, it was, you know, just a culmination of a, you know, a horribly disappointing season that we just completely under underachieved or we... Um, you know, depending on you look at it another way, it was just a natural progression in a in a decline that started post the um, twenty eighteen grand final. Um, you know, it was progressively gotten slightly. You know, two thousand nine, we uh, nineteen rather, we finished fifth and got knocked out in the. Um, what did we do? We Bobby beat Essendon. Sammy and Geelong. That was the Willie yeah, Rioli one. And Willie smoked pot and fucked the season, and then. Last year we got knocked out in the first round, and this year we didn't even make it. So, you know, it's Fantastic. we'll get to discussing we'll get to discussing the um, the off season and and everything like that. But the club's got to make that decision now as to whether or not this year was a um, a massive underachievement from a list that should have done better, which is true, um, or you know we're a list that's in. Uh, terminal decline and the, the cliff came a little bit sooner than we thought. Now we're going to have to face up to um, to some sort of rebuild, whether that be a, a savage or a mini one. But um, yeah, the club's got to have to assess where we're at uh, and make some some fairly hard decisions. I, I would have thought. So, look, as I said, guys, we're going to, you know, play this one a bit by ear because no preview, not too much to discuss by way of news. We will, of course, get into the Nick Nat news tonight. That was a nice little bow on the season, at least. You know, we don't leave empty-handed. Nick Nat gets a little bit more on the resume and a shoe-in for all Australia, for uh, John Westfold medal, I should say there. But, Migs, we've had a question come through here from Nate WCE. Uh, asks about Jared Schofield, who we've been linked with in the media this week. Jared Schofield to West Coast in a senior assistant role. What are our thoughts? Uh, so, yeah, Migs, the story on this one, of course, he did go to the power. There is a report that we tried to chase him at the end of 2018. We've gone back in again for him. Apparently, we've tabled a three-year deal for Jared Schofield. And you can talk about the Hickmott vacancy, I suppose, that that has been left there as well. What are your thoughts on potentially getting the former Subiaco coach in? Uh, well, I think we all wanted to see change generally in the, the coaching panel. Um, and, yeah, Hickmott getting... Um, uh, getting poached by Mitchell's almost forced our hand in that regard. I'm not sure he would have been um, the one that they'd want to move on or move sideways, but mm. uh, that that's now created one vacancy. Um, you know, obviously, people, uh, some people on the board have been talking about sacking Simpson, which uh, that obviously isn't going to happen, and, and nor should it. But uh, you really do feel like there needs to be a general refresh around him and, and some new thinking brought in. And, yeah, whether that is Schofield or uh, Robert Harvey was talked about the week before or, you know, David Teague has just come on the market today and, uh, or, you know, whoever it is, there does need to be um, some new blood brought in. And, yeah, I mean, Schofield would be a great candidate and we are a little bit hamstrung by the fact that we um, are going to struggle to uh, get people over to Western Australia and get... You know, the absolute best guys, it's difficult to get them if they're not linked here. And you know, he's obviously a guy that uh, does have a, a West Australian link, but uh, he's also got a contract for 2022 at Port and he's got a son who's on Port's playing list and he's uh, he's previously rejected us. So I'm not sure what's uh, going to make things any different now. But, um, yeah, certainly they, they do need to uh, bring in someone and um, he would be a good candidate. So they might as well ask the question. So, Keys, I mean, his resume, it's one of those ones where it's personal preference, I suppose, as to how much stock you put into a Subiaco dynasty because he left, obviously, at the end of the 2018 season. 
2019, Subiaco went on to go 17 wins, one loss. They won the grand final by 96 points. It's not exactly like they're a down-on-their-luck group of plotters and he just managed to get them to all gel. That said, you can only do what you can do. He had a terrific amount of success at Subiaco. He's gone to Port Adelaide, who have only been terrific as well during his tenure uh, last year and this year specifically. So for me, at the very least, we know he can't be a bad coach. So is it the sort of guy, apparently he's got a contested ball focus, a lot of talk out of Subi saying that he really values the hard stuff, stuff that we're probably lacking. Is it the sort of fact that, you know, any new face will do? Do we think he's a really high calibre guy? And, and where do you land on the Jared Schofield coming to the Eagles discussion? Yeah, I, when, um, I was pretty big on him coming across earlier. I thought he would have been a pretty good candidate. I was disappointed he went to port. Um, if if he comes across, I think he's a I think he's a really good get. And I think I said last week when we were talking about the possibility of Robert Harvey coming across, um, you know, being approached. Uh, I said that we I'd like to see us with a coach that's got a little bit of mongrel. I think mm. Jared Schofield, um, from what I've seen, I don't know the guy personally, obviously, but I think he's got a reputation for being a bit of a a prickly yeah. sort of customer. Um, yep. So, and I and I, I did hear some comments along the lines of um, that was that was a bit of a problem last time as to why he might not have come come in or he, he may not have been wanted or perhaps thought that you know Simpson wasn't going to listen to him. Um, I don't know, but. Someone like him, he's this type of personality I think um, we could do with in the coaching group as a mix. Um, so, and I think as much as, yeah, I mean, Subiaco had a, you know, they've got a head start on the rest of the clubs in the waffle. So, um, but from what I understood and everything I heard of when he was there, he, he drove... Um, a fair bit of the professionalism in the club with the playing group mm. and things like that. So, yes, he had a good list and he, he had a head start, but I think he uh, he did a lot to um, make the most of that head start. And, you know, Subi were a – whilst he was in charge, Subi were an absolute powerhouse of the waffle. I mean, they were they were near on untouchable while he was in charge of that group. So, um you know, he's got a bit to port he's got a bit to work with with the port midfield, but he's also had some younger guys that have come on pretty well while he's there. Um I'd be surprised if he came across. I think um Okay. You know, he's knocked he's knocked us back before, he's got a contract for next year. I, I don't know that his son being on Port's list is either neither here nor there. In some respects so I think that may actually be a a reason for him to want to pull away because I think we've seen at other clubs, I think where coaches have sons involved at the club, that creates creates problems, I think. Um, so I don't know that, that his son being at the club is a reason for him necessarily to stay. Um, and we need to get someone, I think, you know, with Hickmott leaving, we need... My thoughts on our the assistant coaches we had, I would have thought Jamie Graham was the one we most wanted to keep, and Hickmont was second. Um, then Pratt, then Webster. Um, the worry that I have now is we're always going to change up the assistant coaches because I think it needed a bit of a refresh. Um, with Hickmont going, that's one change, and I think maybe... Um, you know, we might be inclined to, to keep hold of Pratt or worse, Webster, um, not wanting to make too many changes. So, yeah, if if it's Hickmont out and Schofield in and then we sort of look at, you know, maybe maybe moving Webster on, so I don't, I'm not sure he's that great, um, it, it might be a fairly good change to the mix. Uh, Migs, another question's come through here from Brant, uh, or from Brent, excuse me. How is my eyesight? Absolutely terrible. Uh, but there we go. Uh, what do we need in the draft? And it's a it's a pretty straight up and down question. Yeah. Well, there you go. We've got pick um, 10. It's not going to be pick 10, though. 
one thing yeah. I, one thing that really stuck out watching the Brisbane game um, was just, if, if Brisbane got the ball out of a clearance, their mids just took off. Our guys were left in their dust, basically. Uh, and we know they're getting older, the, the mids that we've got in there. There's not – some of them weren't that quick to begin with, you know, apart from you – know, Shuey's lost a, a yard of pace. Um, yeah. Apart from Yo, you know, they're all a little bit one-paced, so – um, Kelly wasn't out there, obviously. Uh, so yeah, just speed in the midfield, I think. Um, would be, yeah, and so when I've been, you know, I know very little about the drafts, but just uh, the, the kids in the draft. But just looking at um, the profiles and the write-ups of the guys, the first thing I look for is, you know, midfielder and uh, has he got speed or has he got explosive pace? That's what I've been looking for. So yeah, there's there's a few names there. Um, some of them West Australian, some of them aren't, but. I hope we don't um, worry too much about that. You know, take a take a West Australian for the sake of taking a West Australian. I, I think no. we can just um, take the best available. But yeah, hopefully that pick ten or wherever it ends up is taken on a, a quick midfielder. Uh, Key similar to this, we've got a comment from here from Havertz Hive on Twitch uh, on on Twitter. I should say he's coming through for the uh, for the Chelsea boys. Uh, do we have any trade slash free agent targets or just go to the draft with our current hand of picks? I would like to hit the draft hard based on where our list is at, based on the age profile. I don't know that we're the sort of club that should be tinkering around the edges, topping up with one or two guys here or there. Now, with that said, uh, Infected Virus, good mate on Big Footy here, comes through and says, personally doesn't mind trading Gaff or Brander. Agrees with Migs. We need someone with speed and strength at the contest. Two-way running mids are very important. So... There's some currency on the list if we did want to swing for the fences with a trade or, or top up around the edges. With that said, Keys, would you be hitting the draft or is there somebody out there that's caught your eye? Um, I think we need to hit the draft. I don't know. Mm. Um, I think we've, in the last couple of years, we've we've swung for the fences and thrown everything at getting Kelly across, um, which, you know, you can debate whether or not that was worth it or whether we gave up too much. Um, I don't think getting a A-grade midfielder established from another club is the answer. And I don't. we can't trade our first pick anyway, first round pick. Um, so you're not going to get an A-grader in. And I don't see the point in trading in um, bit position players, you know, we, we brought in Langdon and and Witherden last year. Who, a guy like Jordan uh, Clark, his name's coming up a bit. Is that the sort of calibre you mean? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, maybe Jordan Clark's a little bit different to that. I mean, he's still young and he hasn't got the opportunities at, um, at Geelong that he might have. He has got some pace. He's got some question marks over the amount of footy he can find and um, his hardness at the footy. Um, you know, he was, he's someone that maybe, you know, I mean, if, if you sort of looked at, if Geelong were interested in Brander, for example, and you did a straight drop Brander for Clark, you'd go, mm. yep, that's probably, so there's some things, I, I, there's, there's players out of, oh, the players out of contract, we haven't got a lot that have got great uh, trade value, you know, mm. Duggan and mm. Brander, they're probably the two that, that you look at that have got the most trade value, if you like. I don't want to lose Duggan. Um, no. And Brandon may make the decision for us. He may actually ask for a trade. I don't, it's really um, unclear. It's pretty murky what's going on with him at the moment. Um, there's most of the discussions is saying that we haven't started contract talks with him at all yet. So um, I don't know what's going on there. Me personally, I think we're four years into him. I'd like to keep him simply yep. because I think there's something there to work with. I think there's there's stuff that he has to um, to work on, but I think he's got he's he's got the raw ability if he can get some angry pills into him and uh, you know go after the ball a little bit harder. Um, so I. You know, you, you, and you maybe you're looking at a guy who's contracted, say, like uh, Andrew Gaff, who asked for a trade, or 
you know, maybe maybe a club comes asking after one of our contracted players, and we we say, well, what do you want to put on the table, and mm. and maybe chat maybe chat to the player and say, look, this opportunity has come wanna, up. Do you want to put? Yeah, do you want to look at it or not? I mean, anyone who's looked at our history with players knows we we don't have a history of putting contracted players on the trade table. Um, it just doesn't no. happen. We don't, we don't Unless they ask, we don't do it. So, yep. you know, people wanting to say trade Darling or trade, you know, that's not going to happen. We're not going to trade those guys out unless um, unless another club comes knocking on chasing after them and tries to, um, tries to prime out. And, you know, that may or may not happen. Um, we do need to try and regenerate our list, but... You know, a lot depends on what Hearn and Kennedy do. Uh, Migs, we've got another one here. Does Jackson Nelson deserve to stay? Now, Nelson's been a bit of a lightning rod for uh, for criticism on, on Facebook, Big Footy, wherever you want to read your Eagles content. Here for we a go. Little while now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a simple enough question. I think it's a fair enough question as well because we're looking at all avenues to refresh the list. Short and sweet for me. Uh, well, just finishing up on what Key said. Brander, don't trade him. What we get back for him is going to be minimal. And if he turns into nothing, so be it. Give me a, give me that over pick 60, I suppose. If he turns into something, it's worth more than pick 60. So I reckon we stick with him there. Nelson, though, Miguel, 19 games this year, by far his most in a season prior to that. You know, 15 was his most, which was last year, 13 the year before. So he's trending one way. I like him. I know that some people don't. He's got a reputation of constantly getting caught holding the ball, which I'm not sure where that's come from. But anyway, uh, he was training and warming up and sitting with the mids a lot more throughout the back end of the season. So is it a matter of shifting the role? Is it a matter of you like him as the lockdown, you know, like small defender? Or what do you think of Nelson? Is there value for him if it was something that, you know, maybe is he the sort of guy a club might come after? What do you reckon about that? Well, they might. I mean, he's ex-Geelong Falcon, so maybe Geelong come after him. Um, we know that we love dealing with Geelong. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're always very fair at the, at the trade table. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be pushing him out the door. Uh, pretty sure he's contracted for next year anyway. But his versatility, I think, is um, uh, is pretty important. That we can play him as you know, put him in the mid as a, as a stopper, or we you know, can put him on a wing, or can have him uh, in a shutdown role um, in the back line. He's done all of those jobs pretty well this year. Uh, so he's got the versatility, and he's got a bit of bungle that. Um, not many of our guys have. So I don't understand the continued sort of push by people. You know, why is he in the team? Why is he on the list? Why don't we trade him? I, I don't know why. what it is about him that he gets that sort of attention because I, I, you know, he's not the most fashionable player, but he's, um, he's pretty effective most of the time, I thought, and he's just a, a no-nonsense guy that does his job most of the time. So, yeah, I wouldn't another, be pushing him out the door. Another facet oh, to that... Oh, you go, Case. Yeah, yeah. I think what happened, Nelson, and he's the same as you know, Waterman's another one who fits in that category. They're guys who aren't, they're not automatic best 22 mm. selections. So they're just on the fringe. Um, so they're always seen as players that are expendable, which is true to an extent. But you need those guys on your list because, mm. you know, you need that, you need some depth in that 20, 22 to 30 range on your list where guys, if your best 22 are getting injured, you need guys that can come in and contribute. Oh, I think Nelson's Nelson's in that role. It means that, you, you know, if you're not best 22, you're not a great player. You know, you're a, you're a handy player. Um, yeah, but you've got a role. So, you're a role player. That's what it is. You're a role player, and that's, and that's the thing. Yeah? It's, it's sort of like you look, at, you look at Mark Hutchings. I mean, he's, you know, in 2018, he, he's not – not the most talented player, but they came in and at the back end of the season, he played a role that was pretty instrumental in helping us get through those finals and, and in the grand finals. So, mm. um, you know, someone like Nelson, another club's not going to come chasing Nelson. I mean, it's just not going to, it's no. not going to happen. Um, he might decide he wants to go back to Victoria because if Victoria might, may come to the club and say, look, I want to explore some options. And then if that's the case, well, you see what we can facilitate for him. But I don't think, again, we're not going to push him out. He's contracted for next year. We're not going to push him out the door. Um, 
whether people like him or not, he's going to be on our more than likely he's going to be on our list next year. So is Waterman. So is so is Cole, and you can list through a bunch of guys that um, you know people don't like, but they're going to be on the list still because they've got a contract. So I was going to bring up Cole. I like. I'm on record as liking Nelson. I find it funny that I see a crossover between people who wish we had more toughness and edge and prick about us, but then also hate Jackson Nelson because he's not polished. It's like, but this is what you want. This is the nuggety piece of shit back pocket that you need on your list. Now, Keys, you've just nailed it. Best 22, probably not. In an ideal world, Jackson Nelson's not in our best 22. Is he in our best 30 in that sort of fringe 30, 32 spot? Maybe. You need those guys. We're also not going to turn Jackson Nelson into an A grader. And I mean that in terms of he won't improve to an A grader, but equally, we don't have an A grader to just plug and play. Would I like to play the best small defender in the league over Jackson Nelson? Absolutely. But it's where's, where is he on our list? Or where is he going to come from? So, you know, unfortunately, it's not an all-star game. You're going to have some guys that just have to play their role. I like it. You talked about Cole there. The thing that I like about Nelson, stick him in the back pocket. Push Cole up to the wing. I saw a lot more out of Cole in the last couple of weeks of this year and in the second hub of last year when we were forced to move him up the ground into the wing, semi-midfield sort of spot. He's got a little bit of creativity to his game. Maybe that's something you explore. You know, Maybe this is how you start sort of papering over some cracks. We don't have a young midfield, so maybe you start moving your smaller guys up the, up the field a bit and, and you know plug and play. I don't think you're in a bad spot if Jackson Nelson's on your list. I don't think you're in a great spot if he's in your best 22, but on the list... I don't know. It doesn't that doesn't move the needle for me? I don't think we're replacing Jackson Nelson away from causing great things in this league. You know, he's not something holding back the list yeah. for me, anyway. Um, now, Migs, we've got another question here about a reliable route uh, in which we can get another first rounder. Uh, Havertz Hive back in for the question, saying that he'd love uh, another first round pick or another high pick. The thing for me with this one, Migs, is I don't know how high the first-round picks are going to be because there's a few academy matching, father-son, beard, all this usual bullshit. Our pick 10 will probably end up being 12 or 13. If we yep. get so, back in, especially towards the back end, I don't know not, how high the pick is. Not, not as bad this year because if an academy pick comes in in the first 20, sides mm. can't match. So it's only the father-sons. Oh, it's the father-son ones. Okay. Well, there's still the there's two notable father-sons. So father looking at Dacos... And I think Darcy. Yeah. I think Dacos, who's are... agreed to a four-year deal today with Collingwood, by the way, before weeks um, before the draft even hits. So, so the academy guys in that first twenty aren't going to push any picks back. So, you're not going to get thrown. That pick ten is going to maybe push back to twelve. Twelve odd. Okay. Yeah. Um, if we want to get a first rounder this year. Um, and the club trade next year's first. Trade <laughs> next year's first for another first round of this year, which no, you know that could be that could blow up in your face like it has Collingwood this year, mm-hmm. um, or you know we did it in twenty seventeen with Gold Coast with some quite spectacular results because we didn't we didn't dip the way that um, people expected us to so. Um, in years gone, I mean, other clubs, it depends on what other clubs think of us, but, you know, the consensus will be we're not going to be making finals next year. So if we trade out next year's first, people will be thinking that's a, a top 10 pick. So mm. we might get we might get some value for that. Um, but I would probably, I would keep that in our pocket until draft night. And if there's someone that... Um, is on the board still, and we think we might have a crack at it. We maybe say, you know, tap a club on the shoulder and say, "How about we give you our first next year because we want this guy." So we'll see. Migs, anyway, is there a Gold Coast esque? <laughs> is there a Gold Coast esque swindle in the making? You know, people expect us to blow up. Maybe not quite to the degree at the end of 2017, but depends who you ask. There's a bit of negativity flying around. Do you think we can leverage that and say, hey, we might not be so great next year, have our first and maybe, you know, we can do that Oscar Allen, Liam Ryan, Petricelli, the big the big reset that we had at the start of uh, 2018? Uh, yeah, well, we could do. It would take some massive brass balls to do that a second time, having got away with it the first time. But, mm. yeah, I mean, we're in a similar position to what we're in in 2017 is that um, 
I think the industry is expecting us to to have a big drop off. Um, and you, know, you outlined the the sort of the, the downward trajectory we're taking. So uh, yeah, that um, our next year's pick should have some value because people will expect it to be a top ten pick. And yeah, if, if the club is feeling bold and wants to uh, wants to back itself to rebound next year through the draft, then they they could do a similar move. The other one I was thinking of uh, to answer that question was if Brander does decide to go and we can uh, somehow okay. wangle a, a pick you know, around about 30 or something out of someone for him, package that up with, uh, I think we've got 29 at the moment, um, package the two of them up, see what the points add up to and uh, then maybe trade it to you know, someone like the Bulldogs. Yeah, um, Nate in the comments, yeah, yeah. playing the points game and trying to leverage some yeah. picks around with those guys. Yeah, and do that sort of trade because they, yeah, um, we talked about Sam Darcy, they'll need to get points for him. Um, mm. And so that, you know, where are they finishing at the moment? They're, they're sitting fifth, aren't they? So that'd be pick 14. Um, yeah, but if we can yeah, trade a couple of picks in the late 20s or early 30s for pick 14, we can do it that way. So, yeah, that's another possibility. Uh, so let's go with our last one here coming through from Paul. Uh, what do we do with Exxon, with Xavier O'Neill keys? Uh, Paul here saying, I think he has potential but hasn't had a decent run as a mid. Probably a fair statement. When he plays, few and far between. You know, he's got a little bit of the Jared Branders where he plays one week and then you don't see him for a month. Sometimes Bob's up on the flank. Sometimes Bob's up in the middle, but maybe this year not so much of a clean run at it. What do you make of Xavier O'Neill? What do you think his future is? Is this somebody that we'll be able to rely on, even in a role-playing capacity, next year? He, he's, um, I think his future at the club depends on what a few other players decide to do and what AFL, what the AFL decide to do with um, with list sizes. We had list of forty-two this year. Um, I'm hoping that the AFL will go, will revert back to forty-four players on the list next season, um, which will create two extra spots. Mm. Um, but then we've, we've, we've effectively filled those with um, Western Collins at the moment. So we've got 44 on the list. Um, and it depends. It comes back to what happens with, uh, with Hearn and Kennedy. I, I mean, we've got... Ex- exclude Western Collins for the moment. We had four, nine, we had 15 players out of contract at the end of this mm-hmm. year. Venables is already gone, so that's one spot gone. Um, I think Ainsworth's out. He won't survive. Hutchings Hutch. won't survive. Bardi won't survive. That's four. Archie. Then you're looking, then you're looking, Archie's. You, then you're looking at sort of Archie, Jones, O'Neill, Foley and Johnson. Jones um, apparently going again. There's a little bit of talk so that we've I, been I want, having a chat with him. You know, Jones is the one I want to hang on to. Absolutely. Um, so so then it comes like, you know, you know what happens with the likes of Brander. Um, there's been some talk during the year about Jared Cameron and him maybe wanting to go to, to Brisbane to play with his brother. Um, uh that wouldn't I, I I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. He's been a the last two years he's been a massive disappointment. Um he's got some ability some, but I don't think some through injury though, to be fair, but yeah, other some, times some just... through injury, but I don't think I, from from what has been posted, I think there's some issues around his attitude. Mm. Um which you know, it's hard to know because you don't see enough of these guys, but I think there's some there's some truth to that. So he might. So O'Neill, O'Neill is, if he survives, he'll be on the rookie list uh, on a one-year deal. Um, kind of like to give him one more crack, but I thought this year was going to be the year that mm. that he stepped up. And I mean, he got some opportunities throughout the year, but you know, to be fair, um, he didn't really take them. Yeah, you know, when he got those opportunities, he, you know, he. he he didn't have any games in in the um, in the AFL side where he sort of really sat back and said, "Oh, this guy's." I mean, Connor West and Luke Edwards both went past him yep. at the rate of knots. Um, so, 
and when he played in the waffle, he, he he played okay. But I don't know that his his waffle numbers were. Um, I mean, he had some good games. We had some good, some decent stats. But I, I think even the last time I saw the waffle stats from a game, we looked at the stats and I was like, geez, he had a pretty good outing. And then you look at the best players, and he's not in them. So, mm. um, you know, I I don't know. You heard that one? I, that was podcast dog again. Heard that one? Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if um, if O'Neill's given given a um, pink slip in the um, once the waffle season's over. Mark McGowan, the uh, footy journo, not the premier, um, right. very big on. We've got a bit of a run of um, politicians and sports personalities sharing names. Yeah. Um, Mark McGowan, the footy journal, is, was very strong on Twitter with one of our avid listeners. I don't know whether it was Vichy or someone like that, but um, was very strong on, on the fact that O'Neill signed a two-year deal earlier this year and it just wasn't reported. He's, um, yeah, he was, he was very certain that that had happened. So, um, yeah, it did sound like a surprise because uh, O'Neill, I think, only signed a one-year deal in the last year. So uh, I, strange I, for the club be, to give him two more years based on not having shown much more. Sight unseen, yeah. I'd yeah. yeah. call, call, call bullshit on that because that doesn't seem yeah. like the club would be doing something like that at all. With what we've done with some of our other players and, and things like that and the way we've gone about it. Um, and, I mean, we just went through. I'm, I mean, O'Neill's form hasn't been stellar by any chance. Mm. So I'd be really... I'd, I actually be pissed off if we're giving him a two-year deal, to be honest, because yeah. that don't make any sense. Because then you might end up in two years with a guy not to sink the boots in, yeah. but Ainsworth on the list, complete non-starter, didn't figure into the equation at all. Everybody from about round five was just waiting for the D-list announcement. So, yeah, Kurt, no, Kurt Mutimer this last two years. Ah, poor Kurt Mutimer. Yeah, what cool. could have been? What could have been? <laughs> Oh well, thank you for the questions, guys. Jumping in there, and we'll uh, we'll move things on to the regular schedule, uh, regularly scheduled programming, I should say. Heroes and villains time. Uh, not so much for the week because who cares anymore? Honestly, who's got the energy? But for the season, and of course, I expect one man to feature very prominently in the hero section. So we might save that one for the end. But keys, customary, you can lead us off. I want your number one villain for the year. You can give us the list if you've got the list, but I really want the, the creme de la creme who has stood out as the number one villain of 2021. I'll, I'll get I'll get to I'll build to to the fuck face that deserved number one by okay by margin. Um, yeah, a couple of guys have made a bit of it. The Carlton Boards made a bit of a run at the um, villain of the week with their treatment Very good. of Teague and the complete shambles that is. Yeah. Um, Ross Lyons throwing his hat in the ring, being a complete gormless prick that he is. Um, you know, didn't even wait for him to be sacked before he started going for his job. Jumps um, in the grave. And, you know, with any luck, that's um, has done his dash with the Carlton board because <laughs> what an absolute prick that guy is. Um, so he's made a bit of a run at it. Um, just for sheer consistency of complete fuck withery throughout the year, Tom Brown deserves a vote. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, you, you know, yeah. just the, the complete inability to. I mean, he's like the um, Steve Cantrell character in uh, Anchorman, just completely unaware of what a com- absolute pillock he is. Um, no, no self awareness at all. I mean, the funniest one of the funniest accounts on Twitter is the Tom Brown translator account. Um, <laughs> so, but I want to, I want to give a clip to the media, the AFL media as a collective. I mean, they're just they're tiresome. They're just mm. the amount of negativity. Um, you know, everything's clickbait. You know, guys like Kane Corns. I mean, I like. I'm, 
I name him. There's plenty of others or just like him that just come out with random stupid shit that are just there to generate clicks. People, we've got to stop clicking on those articles. So if you see something stupid from the likes of Kane Corns, don't click on it because the guys that pay his wages, they don't give a fuck whether you agree with him or not. They don't agree. They don't. Whether he's right or wrong is irrelevant. Nah. All they care about is whether you click on the article. So if he does something stupid, don't get sucked in. Don't read it. Don't click on it. Don't drive it. And we might get some bloody decent commentary and some decent... Go to sites like the Mongrel Punt where they actually provide coherent analysis of games and dig down into, you know, why a team won, why a team lost, who's playing well, why they're playing well. Just... The media just need to really find... Yeah, no, no, proof. So, anyway, the guy, the, the villain for me for the year is not a football journalist. He comes from Sydney. He works for the ABC. He has a blue <laughs> Fuck you, Alex Mann. Like that. Wow. Bringing it back. Um, Alex Mann, of course, yeah. the journalist who broke the uh, white supremacy story. After the Eagles, I mean, you have to be a special kind of stupid to out an indigenous guy as a white supremacist. Um, so he jumped into something he had no knowledge about, saw a signal which, yeah, look, in certain circles, it's a Nazi white supremacist well sign. Be. Good on it, you know, but he just bowled into oh. something with no understanding of it, blew it up. You know, you're a complete fuckwit. So he gets my vote for villain of the year. Plenty of others. Alex Mann, but come on down. Alex Mann, a bit of a throwback. Yeah. Amazing oh, stuff. Cinderella stories come from nowhere. Oh, who saw that coming? That's that's the Melbourne Cup. He had the worst barrier. He had the longest odds. He had the heaviest jockey, and he's come the whole way through. Miguel, villain of the year for yourself. Any any long-running nominations? And then give us the um, best of the best. I misread the run sheet and I've only done villains of the week. Um, That's good. Keys, Get me up. Keys, yeah, Keys pinched them. So I'll, I'll nominate these guys for villains of the year as late starters. Uh, but yeah, the whole Carlton um, debacle, mm, yeah. uh, Ross Lyons' involvement, the whole Carlton debacle, uh, the footy media's involvement, the whole Carlton debacle. Um, I'm pretty sure, I think it was Sen, uh, SEN, and Triple M um, were running. Uh, you know, exclusive breaking stories. One of them was saying that Ross Lyon has got the job in the bag, and the other one saying Ross Lyon is completely ruled out of the Carlton job. So, I suppose one of them will be right. Fifty-fifty um, chance. And my my non-Carlton related nomination was for Paul Hazelby. Um, surprised he hasn't got a mention before. But uh, Hazelby, I, I saw an article. Well, I saw a. Um, mention of an article that said uh, Josh Kennedy should cross over to Fremantle to continue his career. Hey. And I, I threw up in my mouth. And, and for... Brandish should be traded for Connor Blakely. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. Well, the, I don't have... Oh, my God. I don't have time to unpack the Brander Connor Blakely thing. The Kennedy one at least merits a degree of discussion. Not good faith discussion at all. Not honest discussion, but... What was his reasoning? Was it because Frio were trending up and we're trending down and save Josh Kennedy or? Frio need a key forward. They always need a key forward, but they kind of don't at the moment. This is the best their key forward stocks have looked almost ever. And they're still not world beaters, but they're as good as they've been. Fucking hell. All right, Paul Hazelby. Gee, oh my God. That's actually broken my brain a little bit. I didn't hear about that. (laughs) Nightmare. Uh, Yeah, Kane Corns, Tom Brown. All the big, all the big hitters. All the uh, an underrated Tom Brown facet, by the way, as pointed out by Keyes' favourite account, the old TB translator. He doesn't know that the word "vale," like "vale," as in "there will," like T E H E R E apostrophe double L. He doesn't know that that word exists. He says "they'll" with a Y. Like they will. Yeah. And he uses it constantly. No, honestly, go into his Twitter account. He constantly uses yeah. it and everyone always points it out and he doesn't know that it exists. And I know that he's a rich media family son and he's got all the handouts and all, but like, 
God, we expect so little and he still disappoints us. How is he a chief footy journal? Anyway, Tom Brown's villain of the year for me. Kane Corns is a prick. Uh, Caro getting a nomination in the thing. Uh, Ross heard that Carlton had a budding list. He has to be the coach. That is a touchy subject there, Andrew White. I don't mind that yeah. comment at all. Carl Langdon getting a... It's really... It is really a lot of media-related stuff. I like I like the media kicking. So, uh, yeah, good shout. Yeah. This is pretty much a media award, but well done to uh, to all the various villains. I reckon we'll name next year's Villain of the Year after after somebody who can be declared the inaugural true Villain of the Year this year. So uh, we'll move on, though. We'll move on to Heroes, and we might blend this in nicely, guys, with our next segment. Of course, Nick Nat Nui is a Hero of the Year nomination from all of us. He's been awarded three-time All-Australian today. He's made the list yet again. Uh, we'll talk about him at great length in a moment, but, Keys, before we get to the Nick Nat bit, is there anybody fighting for second place? Because for me, he is by far and away our Hero this year. Yep. Um, given the media a slap and in a sea of complete ineptitude, Ryan mm-hmm. Daniels uh, oh, is yeah. a beacon of competency. Uh, Very good. Uh, he, he's, he, he's, he's a, there's been, uh, there was another one today, I can't remember what it was, but he, someone, you, you see him pop up and someone says something completely stupid on Twitter and Ryan Daniels has got no... <laughs> Function about coming out and saying this is wrong. wrong. This is yeah. false. Um, what what I like about Ryan is um, he's informed. If he doesn't know something, he doesn't pretend that he does. He doesn't speculate. If he says something, is that's what he, that's what he believes it to be. It's not. He, not, he doesn't guess, um, and he doesn't play this. He, he tends not to play this stupid game of I heard. This guy, fuck this guy in the ass, but I'm not telling you who it is. Um, Holy hell. I don't know what but, what Twitter accounts yeah. Keys is following, but Migs is yeah. nothing like my timeline. Um, but, yeah, you, you get these, guys, only like these stupid, stupid hints about something they think they might have known is in the note, but they don't, they don't have the balls to say who it is or exactly what the story is. They just hint and skirt around it to try and mm. suck you into to, um, to clicking on something that turns out to be a whole pile of nothing. Brian writes something, he writes it because he knows that's what it is. Um, and in an AFL media, I mean, he's he's not scared to um, contradict even guys that work for his own organisation. So, yep. Like um, Tom Brown. Yeah. So Who he's yeah, given a clip he, to numerous times. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll put him in second for Hero behind Very nice. Just to, Very nice. Um, just to follow up on what you said about him coming out and um, correcting something this week. Uh, it was actually Nate who I think asked a question earlier in the chat. Um, stuff. <laughs> said that uh, 6PR reporting Elliot Yo might want out of the club but wants to stay in WA, meaning he could go to Fremantle. And I don't know whether that means that 6PR were actually reporting it or someone phoned into 6PR to report it. Um, but Ryan Daniels just came back and said that's completely incorrect and shut that all down. Good. Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Great work, brother. Right that was the one I saw today, and I was like, "Yep, straight up, he just whacked it on the head like whack a mole." Uh, Migs, before we go on a very long spiel about Nick Nat Nui and, and probably name the award after him, anybody else? Nick Nat, Ryan Daniels, always a always a crowd pleaser. Anybody else stand out for you in a very average twenty twenty one? Yeah, I had uh, Hearn for getting to three hundred um, yep. first. Uh, West, uh, first West Coast Eagle to do that, obviously. Um, great effort. Uh, and a bit of a surprise left field one, um, AFL nominating them for Hero of the Year for actually managing to get a full season of 22 rounds in um, throughout the COVID no, environment. No, fuck that. They did that by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the keys camp on this one. Sorry, Migs. Yeah. Bad process no, with a good no, result. Still no a bad way. process. No, no way. If I'm involved in this show as AFL getting any hero nominations, they can fuck themselves. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. They might turn up on Key's timeline with all that chat. That was... All right. So Nick Natanui, let's move on. Let's talk about him. He is the hero of the year. I'm, I'm happy to call it right now. He is now a three-time All-Australian. He was named in the side tonight, not in the starting ruck role, Migs, which kind of gave me a little bit of a, a heart flutter for a while there, but he has found his way onto the bench, which is good. They all count the same. He's in the 22. He's done it again and again. 200-game player now. He's going to walk up to the stage and grab a John Worsfold medal for his troubles at the end of the year as well. 
Nick Natanui, where do we even begin with this bloke? What a star. Yeah, I think was Gorn named captain, so maybe they decided they oh, decided that Gorn was going to be the captain, and so they wanted him on the field. Maybe Just before we get to that, actually, how the fuck geez. he gets into the did, starting ruck roll? Did anybody else think that he had a prayer of kicking that goal? I thought for all money he was going to miss that absolute gimme to put him top of the ladder. That's the goal that he misses again and again and again. I was just, yeah. oh, broke my heart, Max Gorn. Come on, mate. Yeah, but, yeah, Nick, Nick Nat, I mean, yeah, we, we see his praises most weeks on here. Um, just the, the turnaround uh, from him having come back from his second uh, knee reconstruction to be most influential player in the league. Uh Undefeated as a captain of the club, I think. We had him as captain two weeks in a row and he won, so we probably should have uh, gone with that a bit more. But, yeah, yeah, he's just been fantastic. Um, can't really find the words to, to say everything about him. I mean, Keys, if you look at the numbers, people often criticise his statistical value because you can't really quantify what he does. And yet this year the stats are just mesmerising. You know, he's nearly had 600-odd hit-outs, second in the league behind Gorn, of course. Uh, he's... In the clearance numbers, I think he was fourth in the league. He was nine clearances off first in the league. And you can frame this as a good thing or a bad thing, I suppose. But this is a guy that this year is probably playing about 70% time on ground. Not quite 75%, but he has lifted it a bit. 70% time on ground, and he's still, all of his metrics are league best. Not on average, not prorated, raw numbers. He is league best in a lot of categories and, and you know, right in that upper, upper tier. So does everything for the Eagles, all the clearance work, all the tackling, just a superstar, great bloke as well, which we've talked about as well. But, uh, I mean, Nick Nat, again, people knock his stats. Well, his stats jumped up to another whole grade this year, Keys. Yeah, no, he's just an absolute superstar. Yeah, no, he's... Yeah, he's come off to... to he, he would have been forgiven for just giving it all away after mm. he did that. That second name, just going, no, nah, bugger it. I'm not getting back. He fought his way back. I mean, and it wasn't like, you know, the first knee was a, a knee. It took him about 18 months to get past that first one. Um, yep. And the second one, they were cautious with. And, you know, he was out of footy for, you know, two and a half seasons. Um, he's come back in and, you know, he's all... And I, and I think in that 2018 year when he got in, if he had to play that, that season, he would have been all Australian that year as well. 100%. 100%. Um, you know, he's out of – he hasn't got many mates. That There's not too many other guys that could sit and look themselves in the mirror at the club this year and go, I gave it everything and I, you know, I'm happy with what I, with my own performance. Um, he's one of the few guys that can actually do that. Um, he's, he's, and he's, he's, he's the heart and soul of the club. Um, he's the face of it. Um, you know, we've spoken about this before with him. You know, when he's out in public, he can't get left alone. He's never done, you know, anything untoward. There's no controversy around him. Um, he's releasing another kid's book. He's releasing his second one. He sort of came out today or you can pre-order it. Um, absolute gentleman. Competitive beast. Um, I hate to think where we'd finish on the ladder without him this year, to be honest. Um, yep, deserves all the praise he gets his way. Slight disappointment. He wasn't named starting ruck, but he's in the 22, so we'll take it. And, yeah, he'll be, uh, in a month's time, he'll be a dual Westfold medalist and he'll be, you know, I don't think he'll ever quite knock not cocks off as being our best ever Ruckman, but Jesus, you give it a nudge. Mm. Yeah. And we even had this chat on Big Footy earlier this year, you know, comparing the two and Nick Nat does this better and Coxie did that better. Coxie was the prototype and all this sort of stuff. But I mean, it's just a treat to watch him play. And that for me in a season where, all right, things obviously have not gone as we planned. There's been some great moments. There's been some terrible moments as well. The one constant joy for me you know that Nick Nat's going to give everything he's always out there how many times at the end of a game do I just feel like can somebody go with him you know if it's a one goal game and Nick Nat's out there I honestly always think we've got a chance because you never know tap out of the middle kick inside 50 we've got a shot at goal just like that out of nothing so yeah terrific to see Miggs get his reward he will get the John Westfold medal as well just just a really nice way to end a really average season 
Yeah, and he'll, he'll win it by their streets, oh. I think. Um, look at the – we announced the, the three guys who are up for um, the AFLPA Player of the Year, and it was mm. him and Hearn and Barass, and really you could have just said him and you know two others because there's only one guy who's uh, got any chance at all. And, yeah, I'm not sure Hearn and Barass are, are going to be two and three in the – in the worst role medal, but I don't actually know who it would be. There's, yeah, um, it's basically, you know, our second best player this year has been Daylight after Nat Nui, so, yeah. I think Kelly been... I think Kelly will round out the three for me, but, I mean, Nick yeah. is so clear of everybody else, it's not even worth, don't even tally the votes, just give it to him now. Yeah, pretty much. They're, they're all playing for second place. And as Infected Virus here notes in the comment, the number one rated player in the AFL in terms of their little weird player rankings that they somehow conspire to make. It works for me, Keyes, because he's the number one player in our hearts. He's the number one player in the AFL. He's in the All-Australian side. Nick Natanui, Hero of the Year. I reckon that'll do it for us, gents. Uh, you know, a few other nice things that happened this week. We've got we've got Juddy and, and Rob Wyler going into the Hall of Fame, which was fantastic to see. For thoughts on that, I think jump on Big Footy. You know, share your thoughts on that one. Just really nice to see... Some guys honoured. Obviously, Rob Wiley played a lot of his footy in, in WA whilst the VFL was at its absolute best and height, I suppose. So nice to see them broaden the horizons a bit. But yeah, beyond that, nothing major. We're all just sort of hitting pause and waiting for the, the coaching carousel to spin, see see where it lands. So Miguel, you've jumped on the show this week and we, we got the vision working after a little while as well. So thank you very much for joining us on the show. Any any final thoughts on, on the Hall of Fame guys and, and what to look for now for Eagles fans? Uh, do you want me to walk you through the actual the, the technical solve for um, for my camera? Apparently, I needed to press. No, apparently, I needed to press the F10 button. See, there it goes. F10, F10. That's what it was. Right. Can <laughs> we uh, can we ring Simo and ask him to press the F10 button at the club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, he keep hitting F10 on our season. Uh, I, I think, gotta... Yeah, I think F5 is the refresh button. Isn't it? Press that we one. Need it. What's no, the rebuild button? No, we don't want to, we don't want to see any more of that. We don't want to see the refresh. We want to see change. We want to see something change. Bloody hell. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Well, we got you on the show in the end, Migs. And uh, look, as I said, a little bit of news in terms of the Juddy and the Wiley stuff. But I reckon we'll save that maybe for uh, for a little bit down the line when we're in more of a reflective mood and, and less of an anticipatory mood in terms of waiting on the changes. But nonetheless, Miguel, nice to see you and nice to have you on the show this year. Thank you very much as well for your, for your hard work all year being on the show. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure it was hard work for me, but yeah, thanks for all your hard work in putting all of this together week after week because uh, it wouldn't happen. Um, obviously, wouldn't happen without you. So yeah, great job. Uh, none of that, none of that. Keys we'll just blow his wake up each other's asses. Yeah, nice. This is the circle jerk section of the show. Keys, fantastic to see you once again. Uh, we've made the jump to video. You've come along with us as well. Very smooth, nice transition. So uh, thank you very much once again. A bad season on the field, a good season in the studio, I reckon. Yeah, I will, studio. Uh, we'll try and clean up my potty mouth for next year if we go again. Nah. Uh, nah. Sorry, Gail. Um, bit, of patience, <laughs> bit of patience for Ice fans the next two weeks because I don't know that there's going to be a huge amount of news coming out of the club until waffle season finishes. I think, you know, mm. player exit interviews, I think we're holding those. I think I think half the club's in quarantine still from the um, Brisbane game. So yep. not, a lot of, not a lot of news at the moment. We'll see um, what comes over. And I, I think, you know, you know if uh, if there's a shining light out of this dumpster fire of the season, hopefully it's uh, a few guys, you know, refocus and get back and, you know, work out what the fuck went wrong this year and, and solve it and, um, maybe just maybe we can um, we can repeat 2018. That's uh, wishful thinking, but yeah, none of us were thinking too positive after the end of 2017. So yeah, 2022, come on. It's a good message. I love it, Keys. Nice way to finish things up. Guys, thank you very much as well for watching the show, for listening to the show, however you're interacting with it. If you're watching us live, getting in the comments, we love that. Thank you so much. It's uh yeah, it's been nice this year. It's, the show's grown quite a bit and the jump to video has been a bit of a challenge, but we've got there in the end. So nice to see you guys coming along with us. If you're still listening to the show, fantastic to see you as well. Sharing it around, tag a mate, all that good stuff. 
We want to come back in 2022 a bit bigger with the show. We hope the on-field success is a hell of a lot better as well. They can go with us. But thank you very much for sharing the journey with us on this one. And uh, we'll talk to you at some stage in the off-season. There will be news at some point. But for now, we'll say we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Yeah. Thanks, Badge. Thanks for all the people that watched.